George Orwell once said, every generation imagine itself to be more intelligent than the one that went before it and wiser than the one that comes after it. Does that describe your feelings towards other generations? People tend to feel their generation is the best generation, but no generation is better than the other, just different. A firm understanding of just how different the generations are is important in today's multi-generational workplace and marketplace. Understanding the generations allows you to appreciate those that went before you by comprehending some of their struggles and triumphs. And it can prepare you for the changes and opportunities that will inevitably come with the next generation. Who are the generations? We will be reviewing the Western cultural generations. Other areas around the world, such as Japan, Asia, and portions of Europe, will have their own generation definition based on cultural, political, and economic influences. However, the emerging generations, millennials and Generation Z, have characteristics and behaviors that match their global peers more so than previous generations. Also note these are generalizations. Many variations of the generations can exist within regions, both geographically and culturally. So here is an overview of the generations. The two asterisks in the bottom right represent how large these generations were at their peak. Unfortunately, the older generations are not this large anymore due to individuals passing away. The GI generation, approximately born from 1900 to 1927. Age range as of 2017 is over 90 years old. Alternate names for this generation, the greatest generation. They were shaped by the Great Depression, World Wars, and the traits of this generation are hardworking, patriotism, respect authority, conservative, and savers. The silent generation, born approximately 1928 to 1945, their age range as of 2017 is 72 to 89. Alternate names for this generation with builders, traditionalists, lucky few, post-war cohort. They were shaped by World War II, Vietnam War, and the Korean War. Traits, they're veterans, conformists, loyal, follow rules, non-protesters. The baby boomers born 1946 to approximately 1964. Their age range as of 2017 is approximately 53 to 71. Alternate names include the me generation, Generation Jones. They were shaped by Woodstock, civil rights, economic prosperity, Kennedy assassination, rock and roll. Traits, they're driven, they question authority, optimistic, efficient, team players, and great consumers. Generation X, born approximately 1965 to 1980. Age range as of 2017 is around 37 to 52. Alternate names, Baby Busters, Gen Bust, The Lost Generation, Latchkey Generation. They were shaped by Watergate, layoffs, family instability, Challenger Explosion, and MTV. The traits, they're latchkey kids, self-reliant, skeptical, independent. Millennials, approximately born from 1981 to 1997. Age range as of 2017 is 20 to 36. Alternate names include Generation Y, Echo Boomers, Generation Me. They were shaped by 9-11, Columbine, Y2K, the internet, Great Recession, and technology. Traits, they ask why. They're creative, optimistic, collaborative, and entrepreneurial. Generation Z, born approximately 1998 and sooner. The age range as of 2017 is less than 19 years old. Alternate names include iGen, Centennials, Globals, Homelanders, post-millennials, and founders. They've been shaped by terrorism, mobile technology, social media, and cyberbullying. Traits, they're pragmatic, cautious, tech-dependent, and individualistic. Generational spans are likely to shrink to five to 10-year spans instead of the traditional 15 to 20-year spans because of the increased level of exposure to significant events thanks to our hyperconnected world and increased exposure to innovations and technology that are altering behavior during multiple years.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to understand that you are the God of all generations. The most important thing that is to be passed on from one generation to another is this amazing faith, the salvation you won for us, Lord Jesus. And help us to grow in our understanding of each generation so we do a better job of sharing your love in greater ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To start things off, we're going to be focusing on our focus verse for this series from Joel chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read it together. Tell it to your children, and let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. A number of years ago, I was visiting a church in the Midwest. I won't say which church it was. It was a historic church, and I was getting a tour. Um, There's a tour guy showing us the, the church, and there were stained glass windows. And there were stained glass windows that, that showed... Um, the outreach that this church did more than 100 years before to the American Indians. And I asked, how did it go? And what he said was, it didn't go really well because what happened was they, they brought the Indians into their church. They tried to teach them German, tried to teach them all the German hymns and, and try to take them through German education. And it didn't go well because they didn't seem to want to adapt to our way of doing things. And so I thought about that. And what occurred to me is that a big mistake was made at that time. The bottom line was they should have learned the culture of the American Indians and tried to reach them um, the where they're at. You know, Paul says in, his, in the Word of God, he says, I will be all things to all people to win the more. To reach people, we need to reach them where they're at. But the one thing that does not change is the Word of God. The Word of God is constant. We cannot um, in any way get away from that. We need to follow it, but it's important for us to apply the Word of God in ways that make sense for all people. In this series, we're talking about for every generation, because there's never been a time in history where generations generation have been more diverse than they are right now. You know, the uh, video you saw was an outlay of all the generations, but today we're going to be focusing on Generation X as we're about the midway point in this sermon series. And I've got to be honest with you, um, this generation sometimes has been overlooked. In fact, I was looking for a video on this generation. I had to look for a long time. I found all kinds of videos on the boomers, all kinds of videos on the millennials, and a lot of videos talking about how millennials and boomers are to work together, but not a lot in Generation X, because sometimes they are overlooked. But I finally found a video that kind of lays out characteristics. Please watch the screen. Who makes up this generation that is the smallest in numbers, but the most influential in shifting styles of managing, motivating, and hiring? It's Gen X. And there are 41 million in the U.S. born between 1965 and about 1982. It's the first generation of latchkey kids and the first one exposed to daycare and divorce. So they're very independent and they define family as their network, not just those that they're related to. Gen X is often characterized by high levels of skepticism because they witness loyalty in organizations and government changing drastically. The phrase, what's in it for me, was coined by this group. The messages that Gen X grew up with are, don't count on it, heroes don't exist, get real, take care of yourself, and always ask why. Talk to a Gen Xer, though, and they'll say they get a bad rap. There are many things to be proud of if you're a Gen Xer. It's the best educated generation with 29% obtaining a bachelor's degree or higher and 60% attending college. 
because they came of an of age in an era of two-income families, rising divorce rates, and a faltering economy, Gen X is independent, resourceful, and self-sufficient. They're flexible. Gen X is less committed to one employer, and they're willing to change jobs to get ahead than the previous generations. You know, if you want to work well with a Gen Xer, understand and appreciate their independence. Growing up with computers, video games, cell phones, and the like have made them a member of the most technologically savvy group of workers ever. Want to talk to them? Get a cell number. Want to write to them? Send an email. But you've got a better chance if you just text. So Generation X. All you, those of you here today were born between 1965 and 1980. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. Generation X. Who are Generation X? And again, these are generalizations. Some of the names they've been given is Yiffies, Young, Independent, Freedom Focused, 13ers because they're the 13th generation to be tracked, the tweens. They're called the tweens because they're in between these two huge groups, the boomers and the millennials, each of them having close to 80 million, but yet on Gen X, somewhere around 45 million as far as the size. They're called posties, um, post-war, but also post-boomer, um, Generation X. Busters, obviously the boomers were a large group of people born in that time, whereas the busters, it was fewer bursts during that time. The MTV generation and the Reagan generation. Formative experiences, Roe Ro vs. Wade. High tech. This generation is adapted with technology a lot better than the boomers and the builders before them. They grew up with video games, and television. Also, MTV um, came out during their formative years growing up. The Challenger disaster was something that impacted them. A lot of them were in, in classrooms watching this live on TV um, when that disaster took place. The Berlin Wall dismantled um, during their formative years. Peer group and work are very important, and they really enjoy being with um, their own age group. Work is important. I'll get back to that in a little bit. Music, music, music. Of all the generations, this generation has embraced music probably in, in greater ways than others. And a lot of times, different styles of music, their boomer, um, boomers before them focused on rock and roll, their styles are diverse. And so often their music is a way for them to express their feelings. They've grown up during a time of variable economy, seeing high points in the economy, but also um, recessions as well. Increased education opportunities. Now you think about this, the generation before them, the boomers, flooded into the workforce and took a lot of jobs. And here comes Generation X after them. And for many, it was hard to find work. And so many went on and got further educated as they tried to find other career opportunities. The Persian Gulf War was experienced during their formative years, the Clinton administration. Some characteristics. Freedom. Independence is important to them. 60s nostalgia. At times, they've been labeled cynical, apathetic, feel like they're getting a bad rap. Community causes are very important to them. At times, they felt neglected, they felt lonely. They're like a middle child. So you have like, like these five kids, and here you have Gen X in the middle on the smaller group. Sometimes they're overlooked by others. They feel sometimes like they're being ignored. They are willing to work. And I want to really talk a lot about this for, for a moment here. Because... For a while, this group had a certain nickname. Know what it was? Slackers. You know, and they're really not slackers at all. They got that nickname because it was hard for them for a while to find work. 
Um, but as we're going to see, ultimately work is very important to them, and they've been a lot more successful than people realize. They reject the boomer values. The consumerism is, is not as big for them as it has been for the boomers. They've also been a lot better at saving money. And the reason they're saving money is because they are concerned that another generation is going to absorb all of Social Security. Which generation is that? The boomers. And so they are saving, thinking Social Security may not be for, the, for them when they finally retire one day. They want a practical education, one that makes sense. They oftentimes postpone marriage, a high divorce rate, as well as with the boomers before them, very protective of their children. For many of them, they grew up coming home from school alone. Either both parents worked or in a single parent household, they'd come home sometimes because their mom or their dad was working. The first, first latchkey generation for some of them. So very protective of their children. In fact, sometimes the term helicopter parent kind of came from that generation, hovering over their kids, making sure they're well taken care of. Extremely adaptable. They've had to be adaptable because of all the change in society, and also as they enter in the workforce, another terminology I want to bring forth is entrepreneurial. Did a study of all startup companies in our country. In this generation, Generation X, even though they're a small generation, nearly 60% of all startup companies have been started by this generation because they've had to adapt. So if they couldn't find jobs, they created their own companies. So very gifted, um, highly motivated in their own way generation. A lot more successful than people realize. Areas of concern, sports and fitness are important to them. They want to find time to do these types of things. Friends and family, great importance. And sometimes their family is extension of their friend network. Improving the environment. They see the problems going on in our society and sometimes problems previous generations have created. And their desire is to fix those problems. A search for serenity. They're looking for peace. They're looking for balance. Money and time. They're both important but for the boomer generation, there's more at times a focus on money. For this generation, they want a balance. For, for many of them, time is even more important to them than money. Religious characteristics. They're committed to their families. They like local causes. They want to make a difference in their community. They have shorter attention spans. In fact, each successive generation, guess what? They have a shorter attention span because of the technology which keeps coming out. They want up-to-date options. They want a faith that meets needs and a faith that works. You think about the builder generation, they want a faith they can understand. The boomers, a faith they can feel more. This generation wants to see a faith that makes sense, that works for their lives and for those around them. They desire less structure. They're not as much into um, the quality that the boomer generations want. They just want less structure, things that feel real and pertinent for life. And they need to relieve stress. In fact, if you study the generations, each successive generation has more stress. Why do you think that is? Actually, in the study, what we realize is that every generation is embracing Christ less. Less God, more what? More stress. More God, less stress. Every generation needs the answer for stress, and that answer is through Jesus Christ. For ministry, 
define a vision. They want to know what the, the church is all about. Update worship services in ways that they can follow and understand. Focus on local issues. Short-term service. They don't like two- to three-year terms on a board. They want um, opportunities to serve where they can see an end in sight. Shorter-term opportunities for mission and service. Small groups work very well for them. This generation wants their questions answered. You know, for the builders and for the boomers, if our pastor told us to believe something, what do we do? We believed it, okay? The coach said, run through that wall, what do we do? We ran through the wall, okay? This generation is a lot more smart than we are because they ask a question, why should I run through that wall? And they're going to ask questions about faith, you know, maybe very difficult questions. And we have to be prepared to answer those questions. Develop need-based ministries based upon the needs that they have that apply to their generation. Now, with each of these um, generations, we're talking about a person in the Bible. And the one that I feel depicts this generation, and again, it's a generalization, is Jacob. Now, Jacob had parents, Isaac and Rebekah. And Rebekah had twins. The first boy born was who? Esau. Then Jacob was the second born. The firstborn got the major portion of the inheritance and ultimately became eventually ruler over the, the family. That was supposed to be Esau's right since he was born first. But the family was somewhat dysfunctional. And what we see is, is that Jacob was really close to his mom. Esau was very close to his dad. And they played favorites. And so whenever you play favorites in a family, there can be problems. And what took place was with time that, that um, Esau was supposed to get the birthright, Isaac was aging, his, his um, hearing was getting worse, his, um, you know, his, basically he was deteriorating, so he wanted to bestow the right upon Esau. Rebekah found out about this. And so what Rebekah did was she pulled Jacob aside and said, let's steal Esau's birthright. Esau was kind of more of a hairy guy. Jacob was more fair-skinned. And so what Rebekah did with Jacob, they put animal fur on his arms and she told him to go in there and pretend like you're Esau, talk like him. And so Jacob went into the tent, and ultimately Isaac blessed Jacob. And ultimately that blessing was supposed to be for who? For Esau. Esau comes back from hunting, finds out what happens, goes to his father and says, Dad, that was supposed to be my blessing. But that day and age when a blessing was given, it could not be revoked. And ultimately Esau became very angry he wanted to kill Jacob. And so what happens is Rebekah tells Jacob, you need to get out of here. Go stay with my brother Laban in a distant country. And there you'll be safe. And so he goes there and he falls in love with Laban's daughter by the name of Rachel. But Laban says, if you want her, you have to work for seven years. And so he works for seven years as a shepherd. After the seven years, it comes time for the wedding to take place. And the consummation of the wedding was the official act. Apparently, Jacob must have had a, a lot to drink or something, but he was in the tent. And what happened was Laban sent his older daughter, Leah, into the tent. And that marriage was consummated. He woke up in the morning and realized, I just married the wrong woman. And so he goes to Laban and says, this isn't fair. I was supposed to receive Rachel. And but Laban says, well, Leah is the older daughter. She should go first. If you want Rachel, you have to work seven more years. And so, ultimately, he works for Laban for 20 years. He has 11 sons, and later to have a 12th son, um, once he gets back to Canaan. 
And after 20 years, he finally leaves Laban, kind of sneaks away. He's on his way back to Canaan, hoping to see his mom and dad. By the way, this, by this time, his mother had passed away. But along the way, he encounters a man, who I believe is the angel of the Lord. And if you look deeper in the scripture, um, even the section that talks about he wrestled with who? With God. And so he has this wrestling match with God. I think Jesus and his... Um, Old Testament state. And what happens is, during this wrestling match, it's kind of symbolic of his life. His whole life he's been kind of wrestling with with God and trying to find his path. And he says to um, this man, you need to bless me. And finally, he's blessed. He's given a new name. What's his new name? Israel. From Jacob, he becomes Israel. And he and his family go back to Canaan. Esau forgives him for the wrong he had done. Um, He sees his father. But ultimately, Jacob becomes the father of a great nation. His name is Israel, the nation of Israel. Through a lot of twists and turns, ups and downs, in the end, he becomes a very important person in history. And I thought about Gen X in the same light. At times, there's been ups, there's been downs, there's challenges, as with every generation. But this generation is coming on strong. They're in the prime of their life, in their later 30s to, to early 50s. They are adaptable. They are entrepreneurial. And I believe this generation is a key for the church to move forward, to find the necessary changes we need to do to reach all the generations. It's going to take sacrifice on all of our parts. We don't compromise the word of God, but we need to figure out ways to reach every generation. As I look over this sanctuary right now, my guess is at least 75% of of us here today are boomers or we're builders. There's three generations that follow us. And for the boomers and builders, I think we need to look more to Gen X to give us ideas on how to be innovative going forward. But the bottom line is this. In the end... What really matters? And what matters for every generation is this, that God sent a Savior in Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross, who rose again, who is here with us right now. And through faith in him, we are going to live forever. As we pass on things to generations that follow us, there is nothing more important to pass on than that truth. And I pray that in this series, we're learning more about other generations that differ from us. And I pray that our heart and our passion is in greater ways to make sure we reach these generations where they're at. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank and praise you for all the generations. And today we lift up a very special generation those born from 1965 to 1980. Sometimes a misunderstood generation, but a generation is very adaptable, a generation of leaders who are very entrepreneurial. And I pray that you work through that generation to help us to see the necessary changes we need to make to reach all generations with your eternal love. And Father God, I pray not just for Generation X. Bless them in a very special way, but Lord, I pray for every generation that all of us look in respect to Generation X, that all of us look in respect to one another, that we realize that we're all in this together, and that we as your church 
will in a greater way become a church that reaches all generations with your amazing love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This time the offering will be received. You please sign the registers in your rows at this time as well.